Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I am joined by an author, NHS midwife, mother of four daughters and Instagram superstar. When she's not delivering babies, she shares birth stories on her blog, Gas and Air. Her incredibly real, honest and candid approach to documenting family life has attracted a huge audience on social media. She has been featured on ITV's This Morning, BBC Radio 4's Women's Hour, The Telegraph, Stella Magazine, Grazia, to name just a few. Welcome to the studio, Clemmie Hooper, aka Mother of Daughters. Hi! Welcome! Thank you so much for coming in today into the studio in London on one of the hottest days, hottest weeks of in history of all time. Is that what they're saying? Well, but I feel like it is. Yeah, but this is an air-conditioned studio, yeah, so this is, is absolutely lovely. Yes, it's nice, but thanks so much. Pleasure. We were actually just talking, weren't we, off mic, but we met about six years ago, I think it was six years ago, um, at Jenny Scott's mother's meetings. And back then, you were a mum of two. Yeah. My son was, I think, two years old. And Instagram had only really just started. The term influencer, I don't think really even existed then. But a lot has changed over the last few years and you have been very, very busy indeed. You've published your own book, given birth to two twins. Uh, You've left the city and relocated to the coast. You've grown a huge audience. I mean, like over half a million people now follow you on Instagram. And you still work as a midwife for the NHS. And didn't I see that you just got a puppy as well? Yeah, we got a puppy in February. Clemmy, zero <laughs> chill. You are one busy lady. Puppy was um, definitely not my idea. Okay. I was forced, bribed, begged, crying, mummy, please. Simon's always wanted a dog and I've always said no. I just kind of gave up. Okay. I was just like, yeah, fine, fine. One more. You're not going to notice. I was a bit like, it's not my dog. I always say it, like when the dog's like barking, I'm like, it's not my dog. Okay. But obviously I still do quite a lot of dog parenting but yeah. um Simon works from home so it's his little okay. his little buddy the two of them obviously the dog's a boy had to be didn't it mm-hmm. well I mean he's outnumbered right so four daughters yeah one husband one dog and yeah. like I said you've you've published your books you've been yeah mega mega busy so let's take it back yeah. to 2010 yes when you started the gas and air blog why did you I guess start the blog and what was the initial response I started it um, with a bit of encouragement from my neighbour. We were living in London and my neighbour was a journalist and um, she was writing for The Times and her and her sister set up a blog um, called Crumbs and it was like quick meals for busy parents. They did like a five-minute tea, 10-minute tea, 15 minutes. They like sourced like what is the quickest way to make pasta pesto. It was really clever and they had a YouTube channel um, and she started going to like blog events like Blogfest and uh, Brit Mum Live. I think that's what it's called. And she was like, oh, Clemmie, you know, you should write a blog. They're like, it's the thing. 
it's what everyone's starting to do like um freelance journalists were doing it and there was no instagram there it was just twitter i was just on twitter i think i was on facebook and um i was like what am i gonna write a blog about she was like being a midwife and i was like oh i don't know will people be interested but what i started to notice that when you tell someone you you're a professional like i guess it's if you were any health professional or a teacher or anything um when you're at kind of like dinner parties and weddings people always ask you stuff and like I, I'd be at a wedding and like as the night would go on and maybe the drinks are flying like women would be like can I just ask you a question and then they just like offload their birth story or tell me loads of stuff about like their episiotomy hadn't healed properly and what can they do or they haven't had sex with their husband since they've had their baby or their pelvic floor's awful and I was just like Oh, so women are secretly wanting this sharing platform. And also there wasn't really... So I was on maternity leave after my second baby. So second time round when you have a baby, your maternity leave feels very different. Motherhood feels quite different. And there was still very much like a whispering culture with motherhood. Women or mothers weren't necessarily saying, listen, this is really hard. Really hard. Yeah. Are we allowed to swear? Oh, yeah, go Yeah, for it's it. really fucking hard. <laughs> um, there was still like this kind of, I'm going to be this mother and I'm going to make cupcakes. And I think actually you've already mentioned her, Jenny Scott from Mother's Meeting started this brilliant um, platform and meetups where women could be themselves mm. and women who have come from all different careers who were mothers but still wanted to feel like them. Um, so that was quite interesting to watch uh, um, kind of evolve and and then at the same time there was this midwifery angle so I just kind of thought I'm going to just write about midwifery write about all the stuff that I feel that people maybe are too embarrassed to ask a midwife like nothing embarrasses me I'm a midwife you can ask me anything mm. so I started like writing about like what you really should pack in your hospital bag not just what a book that maybe someone has suggested mm. or um, what happens if you poo in labour or what should you do if your husband's really squeamish and all these things that I didn't really feel were being covered. Yeah. Um, a lot of the books out there were American so the information is quite different or very vast. Um, the well-known one, What to Expect When You're Expecting, is so big. I mean, it's like it's like double a Bible. An encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think sometimes that information is so much to take yeah. on when you're pregnant. So I just was blogging, and with any blog at the beginning, you, know, you don't know who's reading it. Um, but basically, over about a two-year period, it kind of got uh, gained traction, and um, journalists started picking it up, and I was interviewed for like all the kind of Mother and Baby and Boots magazine and parenting mags. And I think there wasn't really, at that time, a midwife who was kind of creating a public profile for herself and being like, hey, I'm a midwife, I'm also a mum, mm. which I think some people quite liked, that double angle. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I got a book deal from my blog. Yeah. Um, a couple of years later, I wrote my first book, um, How to Grow a Baby and Push It Out. I love that title. Oh. And so, yeah, so you wrote the book. So by that point, you did have, you know, an audience and I guess a yeah, kind of awareness of who was reading the blog and so who did yeah. you who did you write that book for I wrote it for every woman who's ever felt too embarrassed um to ask those questions I wrote it for every woman that's ever asked me secretly in the ladies toilets at a wedding or a party I wrote it for every woman who used to say that they didn't feel that there was a book that spoke to them um, I wrote it for my friends. I wrote it as if I was writing for friends, my sister, that kind of relationship. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's really difficult when you're writing a book to, you're writing a book for everyone. You've got to get it right. And of course, you can't always get it right. Mm. And there's always going to be people like, you know, you get one star reviews on Amazon. Oh, this didn't speak for me. And you're like, well, I, I did my best. Yeah. I hoped from the sales and the majority of 
of the reviews um it helped people and that's you know it's still it's still like within the top three um like pregnancy um most popular book that's ever continuously sold like it still sits there in top three wow with gina ford amazingly people still buy gina ford (laughs) um no diss to being sat next to her i'm just saying i'm surprised and what to expect you're expecting it's still the one and it's a massive one people buy for other people yeah which is really lovely yeah like a a gifting book yeah that's really cool and you touched then about saying how how much it's changed, I guess. So when you started the blog 2010 and you were saying that it was still that whispery culture of people being like, oh, I've had this baby and I've just got to keep it together and look really great and isn't the baby cute? And just like, you know, kind of push the pram, like get back in the jeans. That whole thing, I oh, think, then yeah. was very much... Remember that that time, all the magazines would have like, I think Victoria Beckham would probably just pop yeah, out her third baby. six weeks later, you're back in your skinny jeans. Six days. She oh was literally like walking out the hospital in like a five-inch stiletto and people were just like crying into their like, um, you know what do you call them those breast pads where you're literally do you know what I mean you're just sitting there being like that is not the reality for me but it's changed so so much in the last like yeah nine years and I mean I think social media with all of its good and bad we're going to come on and talk about that later but you know I think that is something that has just been incredible for women you know it's democratized our voices I think for for mothers especially in the whole landscape of what motherhood is and I think like you said what to expect I think just people who are just so real and honest and people have just really embraced that I think online definitely um I think it really opened up a space for mothers to have a stronger voice in society um there wasn't this expectation that women had to go back to work and pretend that nothing had changed um I felt that there was this um kind of openness and actual real vulnerability for women to go this wasn't what I expected it to be motherhood was kind of sold to me in in the papers in the magazines and the books you know in the celebrity culture which I do think we've shifted away from now with kind of social media but you know motherhood doesn't look like it does for ex-celebrity who's pushing her brand new pram six days on Hampstead Heath looking like she's owning it Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that was a really important time for women to be able to say, I'm finding this really boring. I'm finding this really overwhelming or a bit underwhelming. I really miss my workmates. I really miss my structure, my routine. All of that you had if you had this kind of career beforehand. But I think it took a platform definitely like blogging, but definitely Instagram for now women to go, is anyone else just finding this a little bit shit? Mm. I love my baby. I love being a mum. But actually, this is a bit shit. And I think it really talks a lot, uh, it says a lot about um, the way that women are portrayed in society. And there's that saying that we're expected to raise children like we don't work and work like we don't have children. Yeah. And I just think that says it all. And whenever I talk to my husband about this, he's like, men just don't feel the guilt. You come back to work after like your paternity leave and you'll get a couple of like, hope everything went okay, straight back in. Mm. But actually men are knackered. Men are carrying loads of the responsibility. And the reason my husband set up his Instagram account after he sort of basically saw this space where mothers were like congregating and kind of like, yay, people are listening. And he was like, where are the dads or where are the partners? Like, yeah. we want this to be equality, yet we need a space too. And that's why he set up Father of Daughters to yeah. get in there. Which is awesome. And I'm going to talk to you about that. I mean, he has over a million followers now. No, he just got a million. A million people watching the videos and the thing. Like, yeah, as, as I said, we're going to get onto the social thing. But, um, oh my gosh, there's so much. I'm just sitting here like nodding along, especially, you know, when you said then about um, the, the dads don't feel the guilt. Mm. I think that in itself sometimes is a social expectation because they don't get asked the same questions. I've yeah. talked about this before where people have 
asked me a question, almost like a loaded question that puts you on the spot in, yeah. a, you know, in a work environment that's like, oh, you've got a child. And they're like, oh, who's looking after him today? Or like, oh, like especially if I'm abroad. So if I yeah. travel for work, you know, I travel for, for shoots or for races and someone will go, oh, what, you've got a little boy. Oh, and then they're like, who's looking after him? And I'll be like, his dad. His dad. But but that's the thing I'm saying is the social expectation because no men don't ask. get asked that question. Rob has never, I don't believe, has ever been at work and someone gone, oh, you've got kids. Who's looking after them? How come you're work? You're, you're, yeah. You've got a job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, come on. So yeah, I think the whole striving for equality uh, is not just a, a, a female conversation. It definitely takes men um, yeah. to get involved. So shout out, shout out to Simon. So, okay, I read online, Clemmie, that when you announced, so you had your, you had your first two, that's when obviously we met, um, when you already had two kids, but then a few years later, you got pregnant with twins. Yeah. And so I read online that when you announced online that you were expecting twins, your social media following doubled almost overnight. So double the kids, double the following. And did you ever expect, I guess at that point it must've been, you know, like pretty overwhelming. Did you ever expect that it would skyrocket this much? And how did you, I guess, with the reality of having so many eyes and opinions and fans like growing online yeah it was a weird one um i was still under the instagram name of midwifey hooper which was kind of my midwife one and i was still working full time as a midwife and i sort of announced i was pregnant announced told everyone that i was pregnant um yeah i had um you know like the classic scam picture so there's a photo of like me and I I had like obviously two scan pictures and stuck one either side of my bump and then got Anya and Marnie to like point at them and they both looked one in one picture Anya looks really happy and one Marnie's like, Oh, this may be quite life changing for us. Uh, yeah. Um and I guess at that point, you know, twins are always a bit of a novelty, people are quite interested. I'm obsessed. Are you? I'm obsessed. I mean, do you have twins in your family? So my father's grandmother was an identical twin okay so and did you ever think that you'd have twins no No. oh my god no (laughs) so you guys were shocked as well oh my god totally shocked like when i had like an early scan because i had a bleed and i was at work so i just popped down to the scanning place where obviously you know all your colleagues it's quite a good perk of being a midwife (laughs) and went in for an early scan and i saw um my um friend who's a consultant and she was she basically scans all the midwives before like anyone else knows she knows when everyone's pregnant and I was like oh I think I'm about six weeks I've had a bit of a bleed just want to like check we were going away to a wedding in France um and I'm quite realistic in many ways and I think being a midwife and having seen so much of you know what can happen what can go wrong I was a bit like if I am having a miscarriage I kind of want to know because we're going to this wedding and I don't want to be in France I have to deal with this anyway she scanned me she was like no no it looks good like I can see a little sack I can see a second sack Mm. and I was like what she was like I can't it's so early I can't really see anything but possibly it was a twin pregnancy and then you like have had that bleed and that could have been it coming away which is really common and I was just like well thank fuck for that because that would have been really really like for a lot having twins so like went home told Simon he was like oh god imagine I was like I know (laughs) how awful how awful or like how god that would have been really awful (laughs) awful is the wrong word just like god that would be so full-on we don't want to be like that family and then went off to this wedding and um went back for a follow-up scan as planned and their two little heartbeats flickering around Ta-da. but in, t- in answer to your question Adrian, what I think was I was 
um, because I was documenting so much. I kind of use Instagram as like a pregnancy journey from for the twins, and also I was working, and I think people quite were interested in that element. A midwife, and she's already got two girls, and she's having two more. I don't think I told anyone the gender then, but um, I can't remember at that time what my following went from, but it there was a definite leap. Yep. But still, I was blogging loads, and I was also um, writing a book. So all in all, it became like this weird big. I was kind of writing my book in real time and also documenting my pregnancy. And I guess people were just interested in pregnancy. Mm. I I mean, I follow lots of people that are pregnant and yeah. I sort of love watching their little... Yeah, it is kind of fascinating to peek into other people's lives. But I think especially with you, Kami, I think it's maybe a combination of, in one sense, like I said, it's very candid and very honest and people can kind of go, oh yeah, she's super down to earth, she's super nice. But then on the other side, I think it's very aspirational because, mm. you know, like I said, you look fabulous, you've got <laughs> good style, you've got, do you know what I mean? Like I think you, you you tend to take things in your stride as in like, you know, I was writing a book and, you know, pregnant with twins and, <laughs> you know, delivering baby, like, but that's a lot, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's impressive and I think people, yeah, were probably fascinated but also just like goals like goals Uh, and also I feel really um like cautious that that could like also make people feel like inferior and I just think I was in such a privileged position to have this book deal it was something I was never gonna let go like when I was writing my blog I never thought in a million years that a publisher's like Penguin a a commissioning editor from Penguin was reading my blog because you just don't know you don't know Instagram social media whatever who's reading who's watching and following you and I was just like oh my god and I remember telling my agent my book agent that when I was pregnant with the twins and she was like well this is just great because you can just write in the kind of you know first person you know what this is really feeling like um it's gonna be great for business yeah i know (laughs) she probably thought wow this is like a brand book deal come true but you know i guess it's one of those things you just do it you just get on with everything and i was so so honored and flattered to have this book deal and also terrified that in a way it was like a weird distraction from the possibility of the twin pregnancy not going well you know I never took myself to that place I had quite a few complications with that pregnancy quite a few scary bleeds and all those things yeah I was still working as a midwife so I was just like gotta write the book gotta keep delivering the babies the twins will just have to be fine Mm. like they would just have to be fine like I didn't buy anything for absolutely ages I remember at 33 weeks my um colleague who's my midwife was like I think you should start like getting stuff now I was like Mm. okay and I bought like two tiny bubble hats and that was it because they were due in like um January February yeah well I I think you know I think for a lot of women listening they probably can relate to that I know that I can you know women friends of mine who've had miscarriages who've had you know IVF have had different treatments and it's very difficult I think when you then you know are pregnant to kind of Mm. allow yourself to get excited into yeah you know things can go wrong and I think that sometimes maybe you know ignorance is bliss so I can imagine being a midwife when you know all the things yeah people always say don't they all you know twin pregnancies they're more you know high risk high risk high risk so I think yeah I can understand completely why why you would have done that but you know it all turned out well and they are absolutely scrumptious the two of them oh my goodness (laughs) blonde curly hair gorgeous massive eyes they look like dolls yeah they're really good fun they're three and a half and they're at this really magical age where like make-believe um games is like you know they're a big part of their like role play at the, at the moment and that's you know their age but there's they have each other yeah. so they're constantly like right you pretend to be the mummy and i'll be the baby or you be the daddy and i'll be the baby and they just play together all the time Amazing. and they love each other like they squabble a bit but 
like I just sometimes catch them like cuddling Aww. and I'm like oh my god that's so exciting I'm gonna share this with one of my friends who's just had twins because Aww. she's had two, two twins I think they must be about maybe three months now and um I think it's probably good to know that yeah they will play together and it's oh yeah be... they will oh my god they so will and do you know what it's funny now like you know hindsight and everything but look if I think now say there was just one of them um, and we had obviously the older two and the one. I feel like it would be really sad for just one on the end, like because we've got quite a big age gap. But because they're twins, they've just always got a playmate. Like yeah. I never have to play with them. And actually, if I try and get involved in their games, no, no mummy, no, no go, go away, mummy. <laughs> they just have, yeah. It is a really special yeah. thing to have twins. I, Sam and I sometimes just like catch them doing something so unbelievably amazing without any kind of parental. Um, input and we're just like that oh my god like i said i'm obsessed i think twins is definitely Mm. the goals um so something that i wanted to ask you about because i know a lot of women have experienced this and and expressed this to me is that after they have usually the first baby they feel a loss of sense of themselves Mm. so one friend in particular you know she had her first baby last year he's almost one now and you know she said that she felt like so much has changed for her you know her career has changed her schedule has changed her whole life had changed and it had like a a really huge impact on her friendships on her relationships um, and especially with other women who don't have children yeah um and i know that you had you did a collaboration with a jewelry brand um it was Mm. uh rachel jackson london and the story behind that was about female friendships yeah Um, and yeah so I guess I just wanted to ask what your advice would be to any new mums who may be feeling that they've lost a bit of themselves Mm -hmm. and how to kind of navigate those friendships um within motherhood I I think when I hear women say that motherhood didn't change them or won't change them I'm always a bit like it will you can't fight it um when I had my first baby, I was only 20, I was about to be 23. So none of our friends had kids. And it was a bit of a novelty for our friends because they were like, oh my God, this is so cool. You're having a baby. And I was like, yeah, it's not like, you know, a game. And they're now just all having their first and second babies, Snap. which is so nice, actually, because I just love, um, they always ask me like advice and stuff. And I love giving the you know, helping them out with like kind of pregnancy stuff and newborn babies. But um, I think, you know, there is the kind of ebb and flow of friendships anyway and naturally in your life. You have, you go through so many different groups of friendships when you're at school or if you go to university or in the workforce and that changes when you have kids, but that's okay. And I think the true friendships, the good quality friendships, they will come back into your life and you can't expect when you have a baby, your single mate who's a similar age, who's like having all the fun to understand. And I think it would be wrong for you to like expect her to understand. Um, don't be so annoyed maybe if she doesn't reply to your messages straight away or even vice versa. You know, like, you know what it's like with the well, you know what it's like with life, but with a baby, you might like read a WhatsApp thing. Oh, I'll message her in the middle of the night when I'm doing the 3 a.m. feed. And mm. then you forget. Yeah. Um, and also, I think there needs to be a lot more kind of, I've learned this with the kind of friends that have come and gone and then come back into my life recently, that it's just like everyone's kind of working like to a different beat of the drum almost. Like everyone has their own stuff. Everyone, just because you're a parent doesn't make your needs the most important needs in the world. And I think that's something to be really careful of. Like obviously, you know, in terms of making social arrangements when you have a young child, it is much more like, look, I can only do these nights because of childcare. That Mm. does become the issue. But also be aware that your mates still have lives and hobbies and relationships and 
I think I think it's kind of a thing that you just learn to I don't know like grow with as as a woman like in my 30s now there's a there was a definite element in my 20s of like jealousy with friendship groups and feeling like I was missing out and like oh because I've got kids my friends don't I don't always get invited to stuff and then there's like the Hindus and you all come back together but um yeah like I've got really good friends that I've had periods where I just haven't seen them for like or spent quality time with them for a couple of years mm. and then you're just straight back into it yeah. and a good friendship or a good friend is like you see each other after however long and it's like yesterday and you just pick it straight back up yeah yeah I think that's the case for some like you said really good friendships and I think perhaps if they don't like you know stand the test of time then maybe they just I don't know maybe you need to let them go I can definitely relate you know you said you were 23 when yeah you had same as you was yeah, yeah. yeah I was 22 when I had my son and I think a lot of my friends actually still haven't had kids but they're now like you said getting married Hindus weddings all of that which is awesome but it's funny how I don't know we all know those people who when they have a baby it's like you know it's got to be around their schedule it's got to be around yeah. the baby's nap time it's got to yeah. be around you know the baby's everything food time sleep time this that and the other and you suddenly it's like they forget that hello I'm like oh yeah I did that you yeah, remember yeah. like seven yeah. years ago I when, was that idiot <laughs> yeah or, or not even that the fact that when when they perhaps didn't understand like you said you know like yeah. why you didn't text back because well what are you doing you're just sitting at home all day with the baby oh my god yeah and you're like oh now you see you yeah. know so it kind of comes around where you're like okay you know you just got to be patient and then um, and remember that but what about the uh, I guess you know did you ever feel that kind of loss of sense of self and thinking like a perfect example for me was like I remember when Jude was maybe about one for example and I was in Topshop looking around at all the clothes thinking there's nothing in here for me now I'm a mum I literally would the push there being like can I still buy those like do you know what I mean it's not stupid yeah, but I remember I thinking it's almost like this whole new identity where you're like you're still you yeah. but then suddenly you're Jude's mum or yeah. Anya's mum and then yeah. you're like you know, I remember going and being introduced to people as oh, yeah. Jude's mum and you're at like, school and nursery yeah. you're like I have a name yeah and so I think for people who maybe have left their job or changed yeah. it and then they're suddenly like who who am I now with this I know. baby like, I have to reinvent myself a bit I think there's a definite thing about I was definitely much more self-conscious when I was younger but I became a mum uh, quite young like yourself so weirdly in a way I didn't really know who I was anyway at 20 like if I think from like 22 to 32 mm. I have much I had much more confidence and kind of I didn't need as much validation and now again I'm like nearly 35 I even feel even more comfortable and confident if I want it if I want to wear it, I'll wear it. Like, I don't act like, oh, I should be, like, this person because I'm a mum now. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just me. And I think there is that. I just so can relate to what you're saying about standing in Topshop. Like, oh, I can't wear that. But again, I think social media has done really great things for mums in the sense that you can express yourself in so many different ways. And being a mum shouldn't define who you are. It's just another layer of your great existence mm, yeah and with that passage of time like you said the 10 years there and it's built your confidence something that I've been asked I don't know if you have is you know oh I really want to have a baby and it's you know it's really great to see that you know you've got a baby and you work and you travel and you run and you do this and that so sometimes I think people want me to kind of give them the green light and the timing they're like oh you know is it the right time how do you manage this how do you manage that and I always say to people you know there's never a perfect time like if it feels right it feels right but um yeah I guess for you being young and then having you know your twins later yeah what would your advice be to someone who's saying that they're like I want to have kids but yeah. I don't know if the time's right and is it gonna do I have to give up everything and change my job and everything mm. is the time ever right we had a baby when we had no financial backup I mean looking back I'm just like wow we really really were at the like in our overdraft 
every single month. Like we had credit cards. I mean, we we were never um, we were never in debt, but we definitely I didn't. We'd never had any savings, so it was literally like we've only got this amount of money to get us through to the end of the month and we were renting a flat and yeah we just didn't have any security I guess we were just like oh be okay we were young we were naive maybe that was the bonus yeah uh is that ever a good time to have a baby I don't know is that I mean I was young so I didn't have the biological kind of clock ticking worries if you're getting to kind of your late 30s and I would say if you're thinking about it, I would get on with it because of fertility and the mm. risks with th- that that leads to. Um, and I would also say you've kind of got to have a really good partner if you're doing it with someone else. Yeah, yeah, because I guess that's the thing now, right? People saying there's so many, we know there's so many different ways to parent, to have kids, to, you know, with a, with a guy, without a guy, egg freezing, all of this stuff. Um, but I think, I don't know, I think because of the whole career and, you know, women can have it all and you can do whatever you want. I think that's a blessing and a curse, if I'm honest, when uh-huh. it comes to fertility stuff, because I know people saying, well, it's fine now. Like, you know, people are having kids age 40, they're having their first, you know, I know people in their 40s having their first and second and people are like, it's fine, right? There's no stop telling women that the clock is ticking. But I guess, you know, from a medical point of view you can probably tell us best uh-huh. it's not the same surely you know to to be trying for a baby in your maybe late 20s no. to early 40s yeah obviously your fertility changes and you know decreases i think from 35 mm. it's quite depressing isn't it yeah um i mean you've had enough oh we're done <laughs> i'm so done my husband's had a vasectomy <laughs> disclaimer disclaimer so no, we no more babies. are done yeah, I'm glad. I'm really glad I've completed my family. You know, it wasn't my. It wasn't part of my like idealistic plan to have a baby at 22, 23. But we made it work, and here we are, four kids later, yeah. eleven years married. And look at what it has done. So <laughs> that's something I was going to talk to you. So social media. Yes. The, you know the pros, the cons, the highs, the lows. There must be some incredible, amazing perks, experiences, opportunities, of course. things. I know. I I feel that, and things that you know. I saw that you all went to the Lion King premiere. And I mean, you know, what's his name? Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan. Were I on the know. Guest list. So, you know. This is like you are a list. <laughs> you know. We didn't see them. Everyone was ushered inside for their arrival. Oh, okay. Well, I just regardless, you're a list now. <laughs> so there must be some like amazing amazing things but we know that there are cons as well so yeah give it to us what do you think as a guess has been like the best thing about growing this huge platform and audience and yeah. what is the absolute worst the best thing are the opportunities um so for example we went to madagascar with water aid and did um a hand washing um campaign with them that was absolutely incredible just to be able to have that opportunity to go and see another country a different culture and actually I was working alongside midwives in the clinic to actually see how my colleagues from another country are dealing with the realities of not having clean water to wash their hands and deliver babies and do all of that that was absolutely amazing a real eye-opener um things like having opportunities like my jewelry collaboration with Rachel that's been amazing um, I had been wearing Rachel's jewellery for years, um, loved it. So when she came to me and asked me if we wanted to collaborate, I, you know, it was almost like, what? When it's something um, like that, you just think, oh, this is really amazing. And to be part of a, you know, I'm not a jewellery designer, but to be working with her and her team and kind of putting ideas together, talking about the stories, 
And we're about to launch. We've got a second collection coming out this Christmas, which is really exciting. Um, and I guess experiences like going, taking, being able to take older girls to Lion King premiere, that was really cool. Yeah. You know, that's something that's super really cool we're going to best of all camp best for tomorrow yeah. and we've been asked to dj which again simon and i was like what this is crazy <laughs> we're doing a mod versus vod playlist basically which is like we always have music on the house we're always playing kitchen disco tracks so we're just basically we've put together our like my songs versus his his are very dancey i love that a lot of prodigy i've got a few more like belters you know sing along um, but that's so cool. And yeah. again, Camp Festival, we went to the first ever Camp Festival. This is, I think, our maybe seventh Camp Festival. This is a festival we go to as a family. It's a really big thing for us. It's so now to be part of it. Yeah, um, Yeah, such a wide variety then, and of, like you said, of different opportunities, experiences. You can yeah. even write these things to be like, oh, you're going to be a DJ and you're going to you know, design jewellery and you're going to be an author and like all of these things. I've got my podcast, yeah. which we can talk about later, which is launching um, next month in August that's been my dream for blooming ages so all those things I think when you do have the things that aren't so great you just need to kind of focus on the opportunities what's the downside of it um I think it really depends on how you look at it so I don't try and think oh my god I'm putting this picture out or I'm doing some Instagram stories to over half a million people I just can't think of it like that because I think it would um, stall me I think it would probably change the way I deliver or I post or I write because I would be consciously worried about what you're kind of trying to second guess what everyone thinks I just talk as if I'm talking to a friend mm. or post like I'm talking to friends um same assignment I think if you let numbers get to your head it's just it's down the hill from there but you have to remember that with a big audience you've got more people that are going to criticize and judge and I don't want Instagram to be this echo chamber of um you know fangirls fawning over what I'm posting if I'm posting something a motive or something where I'm asking people to get involved in a discussion I want both sides I want equal balance and I'm not here to say if someone doesn't agree with my opinion or my view it doesn't make them a troll I think the word troll gets branded about in a really bad way mm. people call out other people trolls I notice that a lot of my followers who are lovely and in many ways I'm very grateful for their kindness and support but sometimes they will jump on someone's comment if it's sure. just and not even a negative comment, just someone that says something or questions what you're doing and, and they're like, troll. And I'm like, guys, that person isn't they a troll. They attack them on, yeah, yeah, on your and, behalf. <laughs> and, you know, believe it or not, I don't sit on Instagram all day. Sometimes I'll post, come away, and four hours later I'll go back and I'm like, oh my God, what's happened here? Yeah. I feel like a kind of parent coming back into a social kind of situation. I have to like unpick it. I'm like, okay, guys, can we just have some like kindness and respect each other's opinions, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, d I mean... I guess also in a way I've probably become more aware of what I post. I yeah, wouldn't say I post. Sometimes I'll post that. Or I think, shall I post that? And no, I'm not going to post that. I just yeah. think sometimes it's just not worth it. Mm. Um, people will find fault and question and judge you whatever you post online. And that is the kind of territory that comes with putting yourself out there. Mm. Um, I think it's very admirable what you do 
do share essentially because it's so personal really when it's you your family yeah. your husband your children your relationship and I'm sure you know people as you said have got very sometimes quite divisive opinions whether you know sharing children on social media whether you know you know that whole thing of well have your children given consent at the age of two yeah. to be on Instagram or whatever um, but I actually think as I said it's very admirable because it's it's very vulnerable like you don't get more vulnerable than that really no. and I think you know it's all it's nice to you know I follow a variety of different things online for different reasons and it's nice to look at you know maybe fashion or or recipes or whatever mm-hmm. but I think actually the true conversations real life stories people you know that's what people really human connection essentially I think is what people want whether that's through social media whether that's through you know when people used to look over the garden fence at their neighbours it's exactly. the same thing do you yeah. know what I mean it's the human connection it's the hearing the stories and I think actually yeah what you do share and it's always I don't know how you does work life balance even exist when you're you know partly social media with the kids then obviously your your job as a midwife I'm sure is well it's more private because you're not going to be posting that I'm sure <laughs> you know but yeah I don't know I don't know how you do it but as I said hats off to you because it's it's so much and I think yeah I mean you guys are you know I'd say the most popular insta <laughs> couple in in the UK insta, insta parents insta parents, insta parents. So let's talk a little bit about the Power Hour. So this is the Power Hour podcast. I feel like I could just talk about your stuff all day long. (laughs) Um, But the Power Hour essentially is uh, my morning routine, which, you know, for me, it's about creating an hour. It doesn't have to be in the morning, but that's that's how it works for me, Um, which is just for yourself, really, to take time out, which is like reclaim some time when you're not, you know, working or giving to the kids or, you know, emails, WhatsApps, etc. It's kind of like for me, someone who's very easily distracted, I need an hour that's just like free from distraction and so I can focus. So I'd love to know two things. One, do you have a power hour anytime, Uh morning or night? And then two, I'd like to know what time you get up in the morning and what the first hour in your household is like. The time I get up in the morning, it depends on what day of the week it is. Um, If I'm commuting into London um, to go to work as a midwife, my alarm goes off at 4th. 30. Yikes. Come here. You're up before me and no one ever on this show is up before me. Really? Yeah, because I get up at about 5.30 and I go out for a run. And people are always like, 5.30, it's too early. And you're up at 4.30. Yeah, I get a 5 a.m. train. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's quite early. It's all right in the summer, actually, because as my train leaves uh, the station, the sunrise comes up. So that's really nice. You always like chase the sunrise along the hills. Um, So that could be one day. So that is literally get up try not to wake Simon literally get dressed in the dark I just don't even do my makeup don't even do my teeth anything I grab my makeup bag which is already like packed with like my toothbrush and everything and then just get to the station so um but other days when I'm at home um I guess like any parent you don't need an alarm anymore do you (laughs) except the other day Simon's alarm for some reason didn't go off and we didn't hear the twins get up. What? They went downstairs 
turned on the TV and I woke up and it was half eight. Oh my gosh. And I had to be at a photo shoot at nine. Luckily, it was where I live, nice. like in the, in my town. But like you, so you didn't hear them for a start. I mean, you must have needed the sleep, must have needed the lion. I know. But yeah, the one time. like It's so like, weird. Yeah. I was like, ah! <laughs> um, so I would say my kids wake me up first at around seven. Yeah. Um, and is it chaotic? Is it everyone kind of, you know, breakfast, fend for yourself, all this kind of, you know, home alone vibes? Or is it quite chill in the morning? Well, at the moment, it's summer holiday. So my eldest, who's 12, sleeps until like... 10 30 it's happening the yes. teenage thing is happening she needs it i did an episode with the sleep doctor sleep oh scientist. really yes she needs it apparently this thing of telling teenagers that oh you're lazy get out of bed you're wasting the day they need it they need it the oh hormones, i'm not gonna the sleep the... Oh. they need it okay fine let her sleep so um yeah so i've just let her sleep so seven o'clock um i try and get the twins dressed upstairs before we get downstairs for breakfast i feel like if we dress them in downstairs it kind of just puts everything in line right um and then we have to take the dog out in the garden and so if i'm getting up with the twins take them downstairs they'll have their breakfast it is what it is the conversation starts from eight from like 7 30 where are your shoes where's my PE kit what did i need i need that letter signed today i need five pounds for this school thing um twins put your shoes back on why have you taking your shoes off and then that just continues for half an hour <laughs> until they're all in the car and i basically feel like i'm gonna ask someone to put their shoes on until i die <laughs> like just put your shoes on where just put your shoes on can you just put your shoes on get out the car get out the car the batman voice yeah, yeah and the engine's on then it's like get out the car get out the car i love it i love it i think for so many people they're probably relieved to hear that because oh, if you God. were like we wake up and we do this thing and then no we, you know, way like, people would be like oh my gosh this no woman. way so, and so each week I also ask my guests to give the listeners something that they could try themselves, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in their power hour, something that they could do this week. Um, yeah, some kind of, I guess, challenge for them to get involved in. Do you have a challenge for us to get involved this week? Hmm, I haven't thought of the answer for this. Well, I did read recently that we touch our phones before we touch any human in the morning. Wow. It's okay. the first thing you touch. Yeah. Because often our alarms are on our phones. Yep. So then you're straight in, aren't you? Yeah. Notifications. Bing, 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 bing. I have turned all my notifications Half off. Half a million notifications. I know. I've turned yeah. them off. I don't have a notification on Instagram now. But um, I do think that if we... I, I do try this. I'm not very good to leave my phone downstairs. But I have started borrowing my daughter's alarm clock. And plugging my phone on the other side of the room so that when the alarm goes off, whether it's on my side or Simon's, you touch your alarm clock first and then just have a cuddle with your partner. Nice. Yeah. So touch a human before you touch your phone. I know. It's a really sad thing, isn't it, that we touch our phones before we touch a human? Well, I mean, it depends who the human is. That is true. I mean, if they're in your bed, hopefully it's someone. Or a dog. Or an animal, that's yeah. true. My dog sleeps in my bloody bedroom. Really? I mean, he's tiny and cute. <sighs> yeah, I know, but I just don't want a dog in my bedroom. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't think dogs should he's be He's sneaked in and Simon's in. letting it be like, oh, it's really cute. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, and lastly, I would love to ask you my closing question, which oh, I yeah. ask to every guest on the show. So, well, firstly, thank you so much for sharing today, giving oh, me an pleasure. hour of your time. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. And also, I think, you know, hearing your timeline and your journey, I think for some people maybe who followed you in the last couple of years, they might not know some of that. So, yeah, I think it's really cool to hear that, that journey over the last 10 years. So... The concept of time is incredibly important to me for lots of different reasons. And so I ask every guest, 
I believe time is the most important thing that we have, the most valuable thing we can give to another person. So what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? Oh my God. I know. This is big, isn't it? It is a big one. That it always goes fast when you're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> remember that as a kid, do you remember? Oh my gosh, yeah. The, like, holidays, the summer like, holidays yeah. were like, bing! In the middle of an exam, it was like the clock went backwards. But I think, and I try and now remind my friends who are becoming mothers for the first time this that that intense period those I should say not even that those intense periods in like the baby bit especially because I think the sleep deprivation is the biggest contribution to <laughs> the, how hard that first year is when I look at my friends' babies that are like newborn and they're like, I, how do I swaddle? And how, when will they just stretch a bit longer with their feeds and I'm feeding every two hours? I do try and say to them like, it feels so intense now, but it won't last. I promise you, I mm. promise you, this bit is only here to test you and it won't go on like this forever because mother nature wouldn't allow it. Otherwise we'd all be in a mental asylum. <laughs> it will change. And then suddenly your baby will be able to go, four hours without needing a feed or that stage I really remember before my babies could sit my babies like whinged until they could basically sit and okay. hold a toy and I just remember willing them like please sit up please sit up and then one day they could like hold a rice cake or a toy and then you almost forget the hard bit at the beginning because you're in the next bit yeah so I think even though it always feels so intense at the time that it does move mm. like it is fluid time and that is like a given you mm. can't stop it yeah good or bad or good or bad brilliant thank you so much thank Pleasure. you so much Pleasure. i really really love chatting to you today and i could have talked to you all day so i really hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode and before i wrap it up yes. i forgot to ask you i mean i think i forgot to ask you because i assume everybody in the uk already knows where can we find <laughs> you online um so my instagram account is mother of daughters i also have um an instagram account called gas and air and my blog is gas and air blog um, and my podcast, Birth Stories, is out in August. When's this yeah, out? this is out When's soon. So that's, oh. is this an exclusive? Do people know this podcast is <gasps> I think coming? I have a launch date, I can tell you. Yes. I think it's the 6th okay. of August. 6th of August. Um, yeah, it's called Birth Stories. It will be available on Acast and um, iTunes. And it is an hour with women who tell me their birth stories. And we discuss birth stories because I'm obviously obsessed with birth. Amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. You have to come on. Will you come on for series two? Yes, I would oh, love to. yes. Yes, I'll be there. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Please do share it, rate, review, all that good stuff. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate your time. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.